Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 4, Episode 15, This Year's Girl. Who was last year's girl? Uh, Cordelia. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Uh, possibly it was Gwendolyn Post. I guess we'll, maybe we'll find out <laughs> later in this episode. Hello to an old friend. Kind of a weird time for her to appear. This, this old friend of ours that appears in this episode. Maybe we'll talk about that as we go through, but I was like, whoa, this is weird timing to bring in this particular character. I will share something that I learned from our listeners who always remind us humbly that we don't do our research. <laughs> we rely on other people to tell us weeks after we, we record. We have to be wrong sometimes so that <laughs> we give our listeners something to correct us on. Yes, we're doing it for them. It's boring to be perfect. It's true. It's not even that we were wrong. It's just something we didn't know. Uh, so Professor Walsh, the actress who plays her, Lindsay Krauss, uh, she wanted to leave the show rather quickly. What? Right? So all the griping that you and I did in the last two episodes when we were like, she died too soon. And, you know, oh, the, all the wasted potential of those storylines and the connections that they were building with Professor Walsh and Buffy and Riley and Giles and all these people. Uh, I, I guess they did have a plan for her, but she wanted to leave the show for other reasons. So they wrote her off real quick. And that's why I felt rushed. That's why we feel disappointed, because it's just that. She wanted to go. So what can they do besides let her go and then create Adam? I mean, they could have had some weird experiment go wrong and then she like de-aged or something. <laughs> She's a and child. she'd be a rival love interest for Riley. <laughs> oh, 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 shit. Okay, well, the writers really didn't think this through because there's so many ways they could have kept please, Professor please Walsh. Please give me the Professor Walsh de-aging fanfic, please. We want it. Um, or, I mean, I was thinking when you said like de-aged her, I was thinking all the way down to the anointed one oh. <laughs> where she's quite, quite young, like five years old, but with the brain of Maggie Walsh. <laughs> That would have been something to see. So, hey, send us in what you think, how they should have or could have kept Maggie Walsh in the story while losing the actress. So anyway, just a little little tidbit that I learned that I'm like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense now that we, when we look back at how you and I complained. (laughs) So let's get into the episode uh, previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We haven't seen one of these in a long time. Buffy died, and she she got better, but that triggered the activation of a new Slayer, who also died, R.I.P. Kendra, which triggered the activation of Faith, who is not like Buffy at all. Uh, she is pale, brunette. Hungry, horny. Uh, she gets hungry and horny after fighting. <laughs> and she started off as an ally, but eventually turned dark side and aligned herself with the mayor of Sunnydale. And you might recall listeners last season, the mayor, uh, he had some, you know, plans for personal growth 
that unfortunately led to a lot of people losing their lives, as one does. Mm -hmm. And um, Faith was working for him. She poisoned Angel, the cure for which was the blood of a slayer. So Buffy went after Faith. A dramatic fight ensued. I don't remember anything about it because all I remember are those red leather pants. (laughs) But Buffy nearly mortally wounded Faith, stabbing her in the gut. Faith managed to escape by falling into a passing truck. She ended up in the hospital where I guess they patched her up enough for her Slayer healing powers to uh, keep her alive. But she was in a coma where she has been ever since. Thank you for that catch up. Uh, I'm glad that you provided it to me and the our listeners who might not remember who the hell Faith is. Um, but also the episode itself gave us a very long previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which included this story of the mayor and Faith and their shenanigans. But it also included a, a reminder of everyone who Maggie Walsh was and that she died and Riley and how Riley and Buffy are now together. So let's open up on Buffy's bedroom at Joyce's house. Buffy's making the bed and she's saying, they smell good, don't they? Clean sheets. And she's making the bed with faith. And she says, clean sheets like summer. And I'll add here that I watch the episodes with subtitles on because I take a lot of notes. So I need to know what they're saying specifically. Mm -hmm. And summer is capitalized in the subtitles. <laughs> so we know that automatically this is a dream because as far as I know, in the recap anyway, Faith hasn't woken up from her coma yet. Yes. Uh, dreams are the only place where subtitles are capitalized. <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, but dreams are also the only place where the writers and Joss Whedon like to stick in really confusing metaphors and foreshadowing of future events in the Buffyverse. So this is clearly one of those dreams. Uh, Faith is helping Buffy make this bed. And she says, well, I wouldn't know. And Buffy says, right, I forgot. And Faith says, I noticed. Then Buffy's starting to say, like, I wish I could stay. But and Faith is saying, you have to go. Little sis coming. I know so much to do before she gets here. So when she says little sis, she's obviously referring to herself. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know what else that line could be referring to. Like, we know that Slayer dreams tend to be prophecy dreams, right? So mm. whether it's Faith or Buffy having this dream, right? It's like, what is this dream signifying? Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see as the episode continues, right? Faith is having this series of dreams. Are they dreams? Like, when you're in a coma, is that a dream? Or is mm-hmm. it her brain processing, you know? Like, you know how in TV, people who are in comas and stuff, they'll have, like, these dreams for lack of a better word but it's actually like your brain like fighting to regain consciousness right yes so yes and obviously the last time we saw a prophecy slash slayer dream was in graduation day part two where faith was already in her coma and her and buffy had a little chat that was really confusing and this one's no different but yeah, that's a really interesting line. I'm sure it has no relevance whatsoever exactly exactly so buffy says and now i really have to and Faith says, "Go, so go, don't let me keep. And then a red blood splatter hits the white sheets. Oh, and... They're going to have to change the sheets again already. Oof, it's such a chore, don't honestly. Don't you hate it when your period comes early? <laughs> well, what's funny 
What's funny about this is that honestly, making the bed is the greatest workout one could ever have because it takes so much energy. So yeah, that that blood hitting the, the sheets truly hurts. Um, Faith says, damn, just when we made it so nice. Ooh, just like when we cleaned up the bed, it was so nice. All of a sudden, she looks down and Buffy is holding the knife that she stabbed Faith with and it's inside Faith and she drives it in further. And then we cut to a very dank hospital room. There's no other way to describe it. Well, Faith doesn't have insurance. So, you know, she's in the worst wing of the Sunnydale Hospital. How could this wing even be allowed in a hospital? It's so have, have you, disgusting. Are you not familiar with the U.S. healthcare system staff? <laughs> like, it's clearly the dungeon of this hospital. Um, Faith the Vampire Slayer is asleep in her coma there and it but appears to be lightning in her in her room so i guess there's a some sort of mix of her dreams and what's happening in real life who can say uh cut to credits so we cut to the scoobies who are in xander's basement and he's trying to fix that light up gun that buffy had in the eye and team and xander's struggling uh with fixing it and willow suggests pressing buttons to see what happens and Giles, Giles like, I veto that. And Xander's like, yeah, it's called a blaster will, a word that tends to discourage experimentation. If it was called the orgasm nation or whatever, I'd be the first to try your basic button press approach. We know Xander. I mean, we he's know. done that in the past and he can't seem to find the right bus- buttons to press. So. Mm, nice, nice, nice. Um, two things here. Well, I like that Buffy gets impatient with him, right? Because she says, like, can you repair it or not? Like, stop being stupid. And Xander says he's working on it. But then the second thing is, why is Xander the one trying to fix this Because he's a man, Stephanie. And (sighs) men, big, strong men, are the ones who are good with tools. I would say, of all of them, Willow should be the one experimenting and trying to fix the gun. So... Buffy is sitting on the couch with her head in her hands and Giles like, are you okay? And she says she's been patrolling uh, all around the clock for the last three nights. Um, And Buffy says that she can't rest, right? Because there's a demonoid killing machine out there, Giles, and it doesn't work only and it doesn't work only the night shift. So Giles says, well, you could use backup, but gathering your strength might not be a bad idea. And Buffy says the blasters, when the blaster is working, that's all the backup I need. I don't, I don't know. I feel like you're putting a lot of faith into this one gun, Buffy. Like, maybe it's time to grab another uh, rocket launcher like you did for the judge. Yeah, did the blaster ever work is my question, because it was faulty from the beginning, was it not? Well, I think Professor Walsh or one of her lackeys sabotaged it, so it could get mm. fixed, potentially, mm. right? I mean, those things probably cost somewhere around $20,000, so I don't think Professor Walsh would, like, <laughs> permanently disable her equipment. It sounds like she's pretty on top of her budget. That's fair. But yeah, it, like, this is my question, is if the initiative knows that Adam is so dangerous, why don't they have a kill switch in him? Why don't they? Why didn't they design an atom killing weapon while they also designed an atom? Uh, mm. And worst case scenario, like why don't they have a rocket launcher for Buffy to use? Because that seemed to take care of the judge. And you know, Adam looks very you know swole, but he's not resisting a rocket launcher swole. Mm. I guess the answer would be ego. <laughs> Walsh would never think that one of her projects would go wrong or out of control. You're so right. right. Yet she's a psychology professor. Is not mm. Betrayal Psychology 101? Has she not watched The Lion King? I feel like she hasn't. Of all the characters in this show, she definitely has not seen The Lion King. <laughs> so 
Willow asks about Riley, obviously. She's like, no word yet. And Buffy says they just say he's fine, but I don't know what that means by initiative standards, right? Like they could be forcing him back into onto medication or torturing him for all we know. And Giles says, well, what we've seen, I doubt they try to hurt him. And Buffy says, the only thing we sh- I know for certain is that my boyfriend is locked away and I'm not helping. And while this conversation is going on, Xander gets electrocuted in the background and no one cares. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh Willow agrees with Giles and Willow says, like, what happens when the initiative's brainwashy behavior modification guys, um, what, like, what happens? No, sorry. Buffy says, what happens when the initiative's brainwashy behavior modification guys start not liking the, what happens when the initiative, (laughs) what happens to the initiative's brainwashy behavior modification guys when the initiative starts to not like their behavior (laughs) great question (laughs) i like how we've got like two episodes and finally the scoobies have decided that maybe hitching your star to the military industrial complex is not a good call and willow kind of saw this from the beginning right but also that's mixed in with willow's jealousy willow xander giles spike spike none of them were enthusiastic about the commandos Okay, but Riley, Riley was so dreamy to Buffy for some reason. So, you know, like in this in this episode, actually, I was like, Buffy's like in love with this guy. Buffy really likes him. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I just I just maybe hindsight's 2020, right? Like maybe people were less uh, suspicious of the military and quasi military organizations back in the late 90s. But oh, my God, the initiative turned out to be. If not evil, at least not good people. I am shocked. Shocker. Uh, Let's cut to Riley, who still has Buffy's bandana and is healing. I mean, I don't want to, but here we are. He is healing from that hole in his body, okay? And hopefully he heals just as fast as Cordelia did, which only took, what, a day? (laughs) Maybe a week or two. Um, He puts his shirt on and a commando guy greets him at the door and like won't stand down. And Riley's like, stand down before I put you down. I was like, whoa, Riley, that is so intense. But also, what are you going to (laughs) do? You got a hole inside you. So... Forrest comes and says, you heard the man, stand down. And he follows Riley down the hall, calls him a shish kebab that walks like a man, which is actually a pretty funny joke. Um, He says, look at you walking around, feeling better, threatening people and all that. And Riley says, he was in my way. I got places to be. And Forrest scoffs at this, right? He's like, oh, you're heading to your girlfriend's. Like, look at you. One good conjugal visit and you're, you're back in intensive care to stay. And Riley just says, like, you wouldn't understand. And Forrest wants him to explain it to him. And Graham is there. And sweet, sweet Graham, who's just like, we're all friends, fellas. Like, don't fight. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Mom and dad are fighting again. Like, he really Graham just... just misses movie night with his boys. Right? He just really wants... He's like, guys, why can't we just go for burritos and play basketball like we used to? So... Riley says that um, he's not to explain shit, right? He's like, I don't have to do, I don't have to do anything because I'm the one in charge. And Forrest is like, things change. And Riley says, do they? And Forrest says, in case you failed to notice, we're in a world of hurt around here. Now's the time for us to band together and not to go our separate separate ways. Graham agrees with this because he wants to keep the fam together. And Forrest says, we have a problem. We deal with the problem. That the most important part of the equation now is that we keep said problem within the family. And Riley's like, family. Is that we what we are? Step aside. And he leaves. Okay. I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I think Forrest has a point. 
Mm. Not about the family thing, because that's an incredibly toxic kind of thing that happens in these military-style organizations. Oh, they happen uh, in corporations where, too, right? Yeah, it's no, that's not that's mm -hmm. no good. But yeah. I think Forrest is right to challenge Riley on this, in the sense of like Riley, you know, nominally is the one in charge. He's got this position of authority. He's not thinking clearly, and he's being injured. And from Forrest's perspective, the Slayer is a security risk and a potential threat, right? I'm not saying I agree with Forrest on that, but I see where he's coming from. I think Forrest is acting in the best interests of his organization, his unit. You know, he sees Riley as compromised in some way. And he's doing his best to try to lead Riley back in a way that's going to preserve Riley's uh, image and career and reputation instead of going, you know, to a higher up and being like, oh, you know, Riley's gone off the rails. <laughs> Snitching. And, yeah. So I, th I think this is this is Forrest being pretty loyal and doing his best. And I see the point that he's trying to make, right? Riley is so one track. He's just like, Buffy, 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 Buffy. Like, <laughs> Buffy, if you could Buffy. read his mind, that'd be what's going through his brain. It's just like, Buffy, Buffy, Buffy. It's That's been like... his brain since we met him. <laughs> right? And it's like, okay, like, we get it. You're into Buffy. But, like, you were just skewered by a rogue demonoid killing machine. Maybe you should have other priorities, my dude. I agree with you, and I also don't want to hop on the forest train, but I'm going to. And I will say that he is correct, because Riley literally says later this episode that he is willing to be a double agent, right? He'll play both sides because he's on Buffy's side. So Forrest is completely right. He's like, Yoli, you can't just turn on us like this. Yeah, you can, the key, we are, well, maybe we're not family, but like you've been loyal to us for like 24 uh. goddamn years. And then Buffy comes in and lets you put it inside her, and now... Riley's going to make such a bad double agent. <laughs> I mean, the Scooby should really rethink the plan. Is it too um, late to recruit Forrest? Forrest would be an excellent double agent. In fact, he's probably doing it right now, for all we know. Uh, Graham would also not make a great double agent. He's too kind-hearted. <laughs> so uh, let's cut to Faith, who's lying in her thunder room, I, I said. She's dreaming. Uh, she she's with the mayor on a picnic blanket and Faith is saying that it, it seems like it's going to rain. Like, do you think it's going to rain? It always seems like it starts to rain around now. And the mayor is saying, you're too young and too pretty to start wearing worry lines on your face. And, th and then there's a little snake on the blanket, like a little green snake. So the mayor picks it up and starts talking to it. And he says, I don't know where you belong, but it's not here with us. And now, we know that we're in Faith's head right now. This is her subconscious talking to her. So isn't it so interesting that her subconscious mayor and the snake he's holding is talking to Faith, really, and saying, you don't mm -hmm. belong here, right? Like, where do you belong? You're not quite here with me and the snake, you know, with, with the snake me and the evil me. But Buffy, who is, you know, supposed to represent all good things, is the enemy to you. So, like, where do you belong, Right. The mayor says there's nothing that, that can spoil our time together. So who wants cheesecake? So he rolls me. over. <laughs> me, me. I want Japanese cheesecake, though. I don't want, you know, your, your American cheesecake. So he turns around to open the picnic basket and boom, Buffy's there. And she's wearing very dark clothes. I'll add that in this scene. Um, Faith's in pastels. It's weird to see. And Buffy is the one wearing all these dark clothes. Well, Faith is dressed the way the mayor liked her to be dressed. Remember, he bought mm. her that dress for graduation day. And Great point. You know, 
It, it, the dream is Faith seeing herself through the mirror's eyes. Oh, my. This is, I mean, these metaphor slayer dreams, I tell you, they just blow my mind. It's, I got really good at dream analysis thanks to taking psychology with uh, Professor Walsh. Wow, that's a really nice compliment and a great way to, mem- to remember her by <laughs> what you learned in her class. So Buffy is there and she slits the mayor's throat, oh, my, and then stabs him and face like, no! And Buffy says, I told you I had things to do. And Faith starts crawling away from her. And then we watch her eyes when she's in the hospital now. And her eyes are twitching. So obviously brain activity is happening. So really quickly, we go to Buffy, Xander, and Willow, who are walking in the woods. And I don't, like, is this the backup that she needed to patrol with? Right? Like, is this what this this means? Like, she brought Xander and Willow? <laughs> so... Buffy, I'll, I'll add here, Buffy is wearing a pink leopard jacket to patrol, and I love it. She's probably patrolled in that jacket many times. <laughs> I've patrolled in this halter many times. So it's amazing, but what's not amazing, and that's actually quite shocking, is that they find a demon who has been tied up between two trees and is suspended in midair, and it's steaming, because obviously it's fresh, and it's inside, like it's the front of it has been completely ripped open and its insides are like sprawled out so that you could see everything. It's really it's intense. It's basically being dissected or possibly vivisected. We don't know if it was alive when Adam did this. But yeah, the assumption is Adam did this, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And my assumption also was that Adam was like, well, this demon doesn't have floppy disks inside it. So like, when am I going to find yes, someone like it me? it doesn't have the upgrade yet. <laughs> so this is this is really, we haven't seen a body or like um, an image like this on the show. Very graphic. I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen, like we've seen something this graphic, you know, and like children have been beheaded on this show. <laughs> Their hearts have been ripped out. But this is like shocking to see, see on camera. So we cut to Xander's basement where the Scoobies have all regrouped. And I think it's really funny that they keep meeting up in Xander's basement, right? Like sometimes they're at Giles's, sometimes they're in Xander's basement, but I don't know why all of a sudden they're always at Xander's basement. Um, they they know Adam did this, right? And he's studying biology. He's learning what makes, thing, what makes things Why don't work. you just watch the Discovery Channel, Adam? He probably doesn't know about it yet. He probably just has, he hasn't, he's like a couple of days from discovering the Discovery Channel. I don't, I don't, I don't, actually, I don't remember if the Discovery Channel was around back then, but early Discovery Channel, not what it is today, but early Discovery Channel. Shark Week. Chef's guess, like. Buffy says that the initiative can't stop him, but they will. And Xander asks if hiding in a cabin with a stockpiled chocolate goods Sorry, would hiding in a cabin with stockpiled chocolate goods be any part of this plan? Buffy says no. I said Joyce would totally be doing that. She already has a stockpile of band candy up in the woods somewhere. So just go find it. With Giles. <laughs> with Giles, exactly. Uh, remember, remember, back in season three at some point, Giles went on a retreat in the woods. And you and I said, we speculated, mm-hmm. we said he is going to the woods to I mean, do band candy. If Ethan Rain could figure out the spell or whatever you need to do to create band candy surely giles could figure it out oh, and as absolutely. long as he does it in controlled circumstances is it really harming anybody yeah in fact when we see the joyce later in this episode i think she's coming down from band candy <laughs> to be honest so 
Buffy says, I'm not leaving Riley down there with people who created this thing. I don't care how many guns they have. I'm going in. And then intense music begins, right? And Buffy is setting the plan. She wants Willow to hack into the security mainframe of the initiative to buy her 10 minutes shutdown of operation systems. It's going to be tricky, but not impossible. And then if you can't do that, use magic, she says. Oh, oh, so now you're okay with Willow's increasing use of magic. When it comes time to save your plain crust of toast you can let willow use whatever magic she wants but if she just wants to join a wicca group innocently you're gonna be like well, i don't know <laughs> your spells are 50 50 i don't know about that so xander he is going to give her all the gear that he's been saving for a rainy day xander says stealthy stuff thought he's been saving that for playtime with anya yeah when they spank each other <laughs> where is anya this episode Missing. Hiding from the initiative. Well, true. Uh, Xander says stealthy stealthy stuff. And she says, no, we tried sneaking in. This time we'll use force. And she starts saying how they're going to break into the initiative. And then Riley says, I'm really worth all that. How the hell did this sneaky himbo make it down the stairs here before they saw him? (laughs) I am floored. Good point. So Buffy runs to hug him. He moans, right? She's like, oh, did I hurt you? He's like, no, no, like the giant skewer thing. And he, what he means by that is the arm needle. It, (laughs) It cut through my rib cage. That's what hurt me. You just, that was just a reminder of it. So... Riley says that he walked out and the initiative just let him, right? Like, they, what could they do besides kicking each other's asses? Haha, <laughs> here I am. And I think this is a funny line because Xander says, this is great, but uh, there's no polite way to, there's no polite, polite way to ask this, but did they put a chip in your brain? <laughs> and it's Good question. such a fair question. And Riley's confused by that question, which he should not be. He should not be confused by what that means at all. And Riley apologizes to Willow, which I like to see, right? Because I was a little bit miffed that he threw her down in that other episode. And Willow says, stop the unstoppable killer cyber demon hybrid thingy and we'll call it even, right? So Riley says, taking down Adam will be tough. Who knows what he can throw at us? And Buffy says, you're here. Whatever comes, we can handle. Doughy eyes. So this is where my note was. I was just like, Buffy, are you really like in love with him? Like, you are so gooey-gooey over this guy. You were going to break into the initiative with a shiny gun that only, like, doesn't even work. And entrusting Xander with help. It's just, it's just, I I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) sorry. I wasn't sure if you were just going to move on from that because I have nothing to add. I agree with you. I think, you know, Buffy's not thinking with her brain here. Like, I just, like, he's just such a plain glass of milk. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not chocolate milk. He's not milkshake. I mean, I like plain glasses of milk myself. I'm fortunate enough to be lactose tolerant. But, you know, you got to have something with the plain glass of milk. I think I'm just left behind. Like, at what point did these feelings that Buffy has for Riley get so deep? Was it, oh, maybe it was when she woke up in bed after they had coitus and he was there. Like that that was probably a big deal for her. She's like, he I loves think it me. Was before that. I think it's I don't know. But no, I, I see what you're saying. I saw it in this episode too. She is very possessive of him in in, in a romancy relationship kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I, I is you know, one of these characters is gonna call her out for it and I can't wait for it. 
in this episode. So let's cut to Faith, who is still dreaming. She's running through a cemetery as Buffy follows her serial killer style, like in those old horror movies where it doesn't matter how dun, you sprint. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it doesn't matter how fast you sprint. It doesn't matter if you get in a car and drive miles away. That killer is going to walk and catch up to you no matter what. They're really good at cardio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They take long strides. So Faith falls in an open grave. And Buffy jumps in, and it's starting to rain, and it's thundering out, and we hear scuffling. And then Faith emerges, all bloody and beaten up, from the grave, stares up at the sky, and just screams. And then, boom! Faith's eyes open in the dank hospital room. So my question to you, Kara, is do we think that Faith was dreaming like this for the past eight months? Good question. I, th- I want to think that these dreams have been slowly ramping up as she recovers, right? So, you know, later on, one of Sunnydale's wonderful medical professionals is going to be like, this is impossible. She should never have woken up. Mm. But she's, of course, he doesn't know. She's the slayer, right? So she has these preternatural healing abilities. So I feel like ever since she fell into the coma, her slayer healing has been working on her brain you know, repairing the damage. So she probably started off with very little brain activity, pretty comatose, and things have been changing gradually. Her dreams have been getting more and more intense. And like I said earlier, they're a representation of her subconscious healing itself, escaping from this coma. Buffy is in this dream, the the force keeping her in the coma. It's the, uh, it's her body the the wear on her body and she's giving into it because she's not strong enough yet and in this sequence we see she finally is the one who kills Buffy instead of vice versa and that means she's strong enough to open her eyes and get up and walk around and you know she can get out of bed because of her slayer healing abilities Mm, okay great explanation uh and get out of bed she does and i must say i was very disappointed that she didn't have a kill bill moment you know when uma thurman has to like learn how to walk again (laughs) and like wiggle Uh, her toes because the bride did not have slayer healing abilities great point great point but like faith wakes up and walks around like she was not in bed for eight months Well, also she looks really good like somebody being trimming her nails you know and her hair is the same no length. bed sores or anything. But if we had seen a scene of her being like, move your goddamn big toe or something like that, I'd been like, yes. So uh, Faith is wandering the halls and lo and behold, an Asian woman appears. It's also really dark, like in the whole hospital, right? Like not just in Faith's room, we come into the hallway and I, I can see that poor Sunnydale Hospital does not have the budget to light its hallways at night because it's like... This is not how a hospital should look. Oh, do you remember Killed by Death when we spent a lot of time in the hospital and it was so dark in there and you and I are like, what is happening? Like, turn on the light. When have you ever been to a hospital where it's dark? And it's deserted. <laughs> but this is this is the dank, dank dungeon of the hospital. So, like, of course, no one's down there except for this really bright, cheerful girl who's carrying a teddy bear and just shows up and is just like, hey, how do I get to the third floor or whatever? I'm sure nothing bad is going to happen to this character. She's fine. She's going to help her out and then go on her merry way. Uh, Faith says, graduation. Like, I got to get to Sunnydale High School graduation now. And the girl's like, Sunnydale High School isn't there anymore. Like, the fuck? And Faith's like, what date is it? Right? And this girl's like, February 25th. 
And Faith's like, what year? And this is when the girls like did what I would have done, which is maybe I should go get you a doctor. Like maybe I should find somebody to help you out. And Faith is like, what happened to the school? Just tell me. And the girl says, well, it was a tragedy, really. Like lots of students died, the principal, the mayor. I think I should get you some help, right? And we're taking this in in Faith's face, right? She's like, oh my God, the mayor died. And then we cut to Faith leaving the hospital wearing the girl's clothes. It's a good thing the girl was her size, right? Like you just, you in this whole deserted hospital wing, you just happen to run into a single person, same size as you. Impeccable timing, great luck. Did Faith take the teddy bear though? I guess we'll never know what she did with that teddy bear. I like to think that she laid it next to that girl's beaten body <laughs> did she beat up the teddy bear too did the teddy bear put up any resistance yeah like he's like yeah yeah the girl's hurt but look what she did to the teddy bear she did exactly what adam did to that demon earlier Faith's <laughs> uh, like stupid bear how does it work <laughs> um actually that just alerted me to something that's actually quite horrific do you think that's what adam did to that little boy in well, we don't think he was poking around the little boy i don't think he was I don't think he quite did exactly the same thing that he did to the demon. I think he's, because he was confused, right? Mm. So that was like his first kill. Well, his second after Maggie Walsh. But then it's like he's getting increasingly systematic and scientific about it. Okay. Mm. Great answer. I don't want to think about them finding that little boy between the two trees, like all spread out. What would Adam do to a teddy bear? (laughs) He filled it with floppy disks, that monster. (laughs) So we're in Buffy's dorm room. Oh, no. And Buffy is saying, I never stop thinking of you to Riley because she, the girl's in love. And Riley's like, I had a little part of you. And he's like talking about the bandana scarf, right? <laughs> um, he's like, knowing you were out there, that you cared. And then he asks her if he, if he thinks they're being watched. And Buffy's like, I don't know. Like, does the initiative do that? And he says, maybe. Oh, do they ever, Riley? They were watching you porn style. And he, what, like, will Riley ever find out about that? I don't know. I can't remember. So Buffy asks if there's anything that she can do for him. And he sits on the bed next to her. They, they, they're sitting on the bed together. And he's like, give me an order. That's what I do, isn't it? Follow orders. And I was like, ugh, Riley, you lost Professor Walsh, who obviously ordered you around like a mom. And now you're asking Buffy to do it? <laughs> so Riley's saying, all my life, that's what I've wanted. That's what I've been groomed to, to do. They, uh, they just they say jump. I ask how high, get the job done. Just don't know if it's the right job anymore. So Buffy is comforting him and says like I know how you feel. Like and then she says that Giles used to be part of this council and for years all they ever did was give me orders. And Riley asks if she ever obeyed them, and Buffy says sure, the ones I was going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what what Buffy's saying Riley is that she's not a little bitch. Like she she fired them. Uh, the point is, she says, I quit the council and I was scared, but I'm okay now. And Raleigh says, that's what, that's what makes you different. Like I suck at the whole gray area thing. And I was like, you really do? Like, that's a little bit of (laughs) self-awareness. It's a little bit of self-awareness from Riley. Uh, Buffy says, it's a choice. Ooh, there's that word again. It's a choice. Go back there and make changes from the inside or, or quit the team and fight the demons in your own way. Riley says, I don't even know what my way is. I'm a soldier. Take that away. What's left? And Buffy says, a good man. And she kisses him. Good as well. Okay, but like, mm, I'll save it. Uh, She straddles him. She kisses his face. And she says she's looking for brainwashy chips. Uh, She's just like loving this man. I don't know. She says, you've been strong long enough, Riley Finn. 
I'm going to help you and we're going to find this demon and we're going to kill it together. And in the meantime, what are you going to stop torturing yourself? You've been strong for one episode. Buffy, you've been, you've literally been through hell with your previous boyfriend. You've died. You've killed your previous boyfriend. You've let him suck blood from you to the point Ooh! of death. Like, Buffy, you have been through so much. Riley had an off day because he was off the meds that the initiative was being feeding. He him. was coming down off drugs. <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, yes, he did get stabbed. Like, a little bit of sympathy there for him. But like, Buffy, like, you've been strong long enough. Like, come on. Has he? He's asking you to order him around. He's not being very strong at all right now. I mean, it takes a strong man to know he wants an even stronger woman. Does he, though? <laughs> he also says, you sure about that? And she's like, it's an order. And they kiss some more. Um, here's what I'm not satisfied with right here. Buffy triggered this in me when she said choice. You have a choice, right? And I went, I shot all the way back to season two with lie to me, right? You have a choice. It's not an easy choice. Or it's not a good choice, but you have one, right? And this whole like Riley saying like, I don't know what I am. I'm, I'm a soldier. Take that away. What's left? And then I'm shot back to becoming part two where it's like, oh, you take all the way and what's left. And Buffy says me. So like we've seen this journey with Buffy before. With Buffy, our hero, the hero of the series, my favorite character. We have seen this with Buffy and we loved every second of it. Why do we give a shit if we see this done again two years later with Riley? I, d I don't know. With a bowl I'm of sorry, Weedy Bix. So boring. It's so boring. I know. I don't care. I don't care if Riley's struggling right now. And I wish I did, but I, I don't. And I just don't think they gave us enough time to it's care. It's so bad. I'm sorry. This is weird. This is this is not our usual storytelling in the show. Like, I just think this is lazy rewriting. This is blah. Like, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't even. Like, don't get me wrong. The rest of this episode, like everything with Faith in this episode is fantastic. It's fire. Yep. Riley <laughs> is like dead weight. And I think this is probably where my dislike of Riley comes from. It's not early season Riley. It's later season Riley where he turns into a whiny bitch. <laughs> and this is the start of it. You know, you get stabbed in the gut once and suddenly it's like you've lost all your confidence. Like, So anyway, we go to a hospital, the hospital. Uh, they're in Faith's room. There's a nurse there and she's like, oh, I got here at 8 p.m. That's when my shift starts. She's very particular about that. She's like, this is not on me. <laughs> I love that and about the bed, her. The bed was just like this, you know? <laughs> I got here at 8. 8 p.m. is my shift. I started at 8. Like, she got so weird about that. <laughs> the doctor is really confused, right? Because he studied, he went to medical school. He knows that this doesn't happen with coma patients. And there's a detective who's there. And the detective's like, walk me through this one more time. And the tone of his voice is the tone of voice you would use when you're disappointed in a child for doing something, like, egregiously stupid. <laughs> Um, he's like, you know, this woman was wanted for questioning in a series of murders, but there's no security on this way, right? And the doctor's like, yeah, but this this just wouldn't happen. Like, she's not going to wake up. And I, I see both points of view, right? But we've seen Sunnydale Hospital. They clearly, they can't afford CCTV, let alone security guards for a comatose patient. I don't know what you're playing at, police detective, but... <laughs> 
I don't know how much staff you have to use (laughs) for random tasks like that. Yeah. (laughs) So another nurse runs in and is like, doctor, we found another woman. She was unconscious and badly beaten. She's been stripped. So this is clearly that poor unfortunate soul from a few scenes ago. Another Asian person beat up on this show. Right? Like doctors are not the, like doctors are not in charge in a hospital. Like doctors aren't in charge of nurses. Right. Like doctors and nurses work together on patient care, but there are hospital administrators and managers who are in charge on each shift. So like the doctor shouldn't be the point of contact and the authority here. The doctor's the one who comes in and says, yeah, she's still in a coma or, oh yeah, she's awake. Like that's what you go to medical school for 10 years to do is to tell if somebody's comatose or awake. But like, <laughs> that's where the doctor's job ends. So it's just, it's very strange to me that they, you know, they're like, I'm just going to stick this white guy in a lab coat and he's clearly the one in authority here yeah it's not how it works it's all all his fault that she just disappeared right like what do you mean like why weren't you by her bed this whole time i don't know clearly like where is chatty doctor where is suspicious drug doctor like (laughs) we're just we miss all the the better doctors here in sunnydale hospital so everybody leaves except for the nurse who takes her sweet time leaving the room uh, she goes to the phone right outside the room. She dials a number, which, like, it's an impressively short number. I don't know if it's even seven digits. And then presumably somebody picks up, and all she says is, it's happened. Send the team. So, like, sh- I-, I think the inference is pretty clear here, right? She uh, is working for the Watchers Council. She was watching Faith, because that's what Watchers do, uh, and was told to call if Faith wakes up and the Watchers are prepared for this contingency. But like, I would have expected her to have to punch in like 10 or 12 digits to call (laughs) long distance overseas, right? And there's like a dedicated phone number or else I didn't see her punch in an extension or do any like, you know, menu options. Like Mm -hmm. press one to report Faith waking up. (laughs) Press two. Even when Wesley called in season three, he had to give like a password. It was like monkey, right? right? But um, well, that maybe that's just because they don't trust Wesley. Well, this is interesting actually because later we see the three men that she called. Right? Um, I didn't know they were Watchers Council. Right? I had no idea. I, I can't remember this part of the of the episode or the show or what comes after it. So when you said that now, I was like, is it the Watchers Council? I'm not sure. It could be. It could be evil people. We don't know. I'm going to put my money on the washer's house. <laughs> I mean, we could, it's a safe bet, but who knows? Who can say? So um, we cut to the burnt up Sunnydale High school where Faith is staring at it, sadly, because she missed the show. Um, then we see her wandering down the Sunnydale strip area where she's taken in all the happy people that should have been eaten by a snake, but they're not. How they're dare here. They? The- gall they had to survive (laughs) she's like how did this even happen like you're all supposed to be dead and this little girl with her her dad is there she's watching that so like yeah faith is lost she's like oh my dad's dead so she descends the steps to giles's apartment and she stares through the window she drops some eaves because the scoobies have decided that they're going to meet at giles's place right now not in xander's basement because faith wouldn't know where that is so they're being very convenient for her they're discussing adam Right. As Faith observes them from the window and they say that he thinks he wants like they think that he wants to do a killing spree and Riley picks up the gun that Xander's been trying to fix and fixes it immediately. And Xander's amazed by that. And Buffy sits next to Riley and kisses him on the head and is like draped over him. So PDA 
They're so roughy. It's just roughy all over Giles' apartment. Oh, no. And Faith is watching this, right? She's like, oh, Buffy's got a new boyfriend. Like, she just really needed to show that Buffy has moved on from Angel. So they're wondering if the initiative has more info on Adam and Riley suggesting that he can be a double agent for them and get information is the least he can do. So that's, again, Riley, we doubt your skill level in being able to pull this off. But like, I don't know, you're trying. I can only imagine he comes back to the initiative and the first thing they ask is, are you a double agent right now? And he's like, yes. That's classified. (laughs) So... Um, the phone rings, Giles answers it, answers it, it's for Buffy. And it's so weird that they knew to call Giles's house to reach Buffy. Well, right. And like, but who, and who's calling? Like, was Buffy Faith's emergency contact? I don't understand. She, she, she like must have been. And also you'd think that Joyce would be the number that they would call to reach Buffy. <laughs> Unless Joyce was like, she's at Giles. <laughs> so, um, Buffy gets really serious on the phone, right? She's like, no, I haven't. And then uh, Faith sees that, like, oh, this is about me, obviously. So she takes off. And Buffy hangs up and tells the Scoobies that Faith is awake. And she beat somebody up, took her clothing, and disappeared out of the hospital. No one knows where she is. And Xander says, this qualifies as worst timing ever, as the worst timing ever award. Uh, and Willow says, well, what, what are we going to do? And Giles is like, well, we have to find her. And Willow's like, well, what about Adam? And Xander's like, I hate to see the pursuit of a homicidal lunatic get in the way of a homicidal lunatic. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say Xander's incorrect. This is not the worst timing ever. Because I was thinking about this as I watched Faith wander around the Sunnydale Strip there. It would have been way more awkward if she had w- woken up during the events of Hush. Mm, so true. And would they have taken her voice while she was in a coma? Or would she be the only one that could talk? Oh, and then she that could is have a screamed. Really good question. She could have screamed yeah. and saved the town. Or she'd be silent like everybody else, but like she had, she would have like nobody would have been able to tell her how much time had passed. She just had no idea what's going on. Like how long has this Sunnydale been like this? She would beat up Mark the message board yeah, guy. That, she'd, beat up, she'd beat up Mark the message board guy. No, and he's like, oh, my plan backfired. <laughs> Uh, it's true there are worse times however I did kind of agree with Xander in terms of it being weird that she showed up so I think at the beginning I was like what an interesting time for Faith to show up in the show and I felt well, like this because it's never a good time for your mortal enemy to regain consciousness it, that's very true but in terms of storytelling I was like this must be one of those cases where like this is the only time Eliza Dushku could come maybe and do the the series like well, this this guest star and then another one on a different show uh aka angel just because we got over the last hump of walsh dying riley coming off withdrawal riley being trapped in the initiative it just seems it was just a little bit jarring that faith and the faith problem happens now in the season well i don't know i feel like it makes sense from the the season story arc perspective right because we're just coming off the the huge revelations from the past couple of episodes about the initiative and project 314 so you know this episode and the next episode they form a kind of two-parter where buffy has to deal with baggage from her past and it also severely affects her relationship with riley Mm. but we won't talk about that yet not yet um so buffy says that faith isn't exactly low profile girl so she's gonna patrol and wait for her to make the first move giles is like well then what and willow says i have an idea beat the crap out of her 
And Buffy says, I still have a decision to make. Like, do we hand her, hand her over to the cops? They wouldn't know what to do with a Slayer, even if they knew we existed. And Willow says, well, what about the council? Xander says, been there, done that. Not unlike smothering a forest with a forest fire with napalm, as I recall. Giles suggests, suge- suggests that the initiative has facilities that can contain her. And Xander's like, they're evil. <laughs> so Buffy says... Faith is back, and whether I like it or not, she's my responsibility. And Will says, too bad. That was the funnest coma ever. Now, I want to talk about Willow, but not in this scene, maybe in a little bit in another scene. But like let's just pay attention to the hostility that Willow's showing here. Like a little more aggressive than she usually and is. Insensitivity. Like yes. you know, at least as Buffy goes on to say it, right? Like we don't know where she is, we don't know what she's thinking, what she's feeling. Xander's like who she's doing. Oh. Which, A, that should be whom, Xander, whom she's doing. God damn it, Xander. <laughs> of course, you know, Xander's mind goes to that because that was his relationship with Faith. Ugh. But then Buffy's like, you know, Faith could be terrified. Maybe she doesn't remember or maybe she's sorry and she's scared and she's hiding, which unlikely. But I, I like that Buffy is willing to give Faith the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah. Um, that that is Buffy's heroic quality. Right. Is she she's willing to consider that redemptive arc for for Faith, and I think she genuinely regrets what happened. Right. Like she's, you know, last season Faith accused Buffy of being you know little Miss Goody Two Shoes, always just trying to be prim and proper and stand up for what's right. And then Buffy really had to you know get into some morally gray areas here to save Angel. And now we see like a different Buffy, a more mature Buffy. And she's like, I regret what happened between me and Faith. And I want to help Faith if I can. Right. And I think that that it's just I don't know. I found the scene very interesting for that. Yeah. And it's also for me a callback to uh, maybe like possibly that she learned a little bit of that of that from Angel and about redemption and what it means to fight every day to be a good person because Angel also 100% would be on Buffy's side here to say like, well, we don't know her headspace. Like we need to find out how we can help her. So Giles says, okay, yeah, a form of rehabilitation. Like there could be one that we haven't thought of yet. And Willow says, if not, ass kicking makes a solid plan B. All right, Willow, we get it. So Buffy says, I'm not going to rule it out, but first we got to find her, then we can take it from there. And Riley's like, who's Faith? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Come on, Riley, keep up. It's a great way to end that scene. Um, So the next morning, Willow and Buffy are on campus and Buffy's filling in Willow because I guess she told Riley the story. My question was, where did Buffy and Willow sleep that night that they didn't talk about it the night before? (laughs) Uh, Buffy clearly slept with... with Oh, oh, true, true, true. That's stupid of me. So... Buffy says that the only she only told him the vague bits, right? She's like, no flat out lies, but she obviously did, left a lot of out. And Willow asks how she handled the angely parts. <laughs> Buffy never seemed to have any trouble handling the angely parts in the past. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 she didn't. In fact, she's probably still thinking about those angely parts. I am. So... Buffy says she did some editing. It's not that I'm trying to hide anything from Riley. It's just that that's a longer conversation. And I had faith to hunt for. I I couldn't find her, though, but I'm not sure if that's like lucky or not. Right. So my question, of course, would be, would you tell Riley the whole truth? Like, like Buffy is choosing to not tell Riley that her true love, her soulmate, her twin flame was a vampire who she loved so much and then the whole history with faith and how faith tried to kill him that enraged her and made her want to kill faith 
for Angel. Like when you put it that way, when you imagine her trying to explain this in terms that Riley the himbo could understand, <laughs> that's a really fucked up story to begin with. But oh, yeah. also, so here's the thing. I would say no, I wouldn't tell Riley. But because of that, the relationship is doomed because I do believe in honesty. Um, I don't think you have to tell your new partner everything about your previous relationships. But I do think that if it comes up, which it has in this case, you have to be willing to talk about it. Um, And the fact that Buffy seems reluctant to, that is maybe a sign of immaturity still. But on the other hand, maybe it's just a sign Riley's not the right guy for her because I just I don't see Riley understanding right now, right? He barely understands the concept of like some monsters may not be all bad. Like I don't see him processing this right now and maybe I'm being uncharitable. Maybe he would process it better in the future, but like Angel's going to show up at some point in Buffy's life again and if Riley and Buffy are still together at that point, right? Like God, I hope he does. I don't know. I want to flashback real quick to Doomed. To episode 11, Doomed, when Riley and Buffy had, there were many roughy conversations in that episode. We try to forget them, but Riley was pushing, right? I want a relationship with you. We can make it work. We're similar. And Buffy pushed back hard saying, I've done this before, but but like way more intense and it didn't work out. It was the end of the world as it literally was. So this is obviously Buffy's chance to explain more of her headspace in that episode to say, I didn't want to enter this relationship with you because of how fucked up my last one was and what it did to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, she she might not be ready to talk to him about that stuff yet or get into it, but I'm afraid of what that might open up for her if she actually didn't give him the vague story and told him all these things because then it just might remind her, like you just said, Riley might not be the guy for her if he can't handle the truth of all this. And also, if he can't realize the danger that he's in since she had to kill her last boyfriend. Like, Riley, you're not far from that might. Who knows? That could happen to you, too. Like, you're in danger being with Buffy. Buffy's in danger of being hurt again by being with you. Like, there's a lot of stakes here. So it's true. Giving him the whole truth at this point is a risky business indeed. But again, it just might come down to the fact that he's not the one. Oh, that makes me so sad. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Why would they set us up to love Ruffy so much if they weren't going to last? So uh, Willow points out that every cop in Sunnydale is looking for Faith, right? So they're walking toward a notice board on campus. And Buffy is like, well, if I was her, I'd get out of Dodge post-hasty. And sure enough, Faith is standing in front of the board. She knew that every day after class, some anonymous class that Buffy takes that we don't know about that they go and check the notice board that's for sure so Faith turns around and she says uh, you're not me and then she says check you out B the big girl on campus thing is really working for you and Buffy says I've been looking for you and Faith says I've been standing still for eight months B like how hard you look and Buffy asks if she's all right and like let's just notice the empathy Buffy was giving her empathy in the last scene when she wasn't even there and in this scene she actually is trying to find common ground with her right she's like give like if she had a white flag she's waving it Buffy has had eight months of consciousness to reevaluate her position Faith Mm -hmm. went into the coma angry and she's waking up from the coma angry. So, like, I'm not surprised that Faith is, you know, firing on all anger cylinders right now because 
Faith has not had the same amount of time as Buffy to figure things out. I'll also add that Faith spent the last eight months in a coma running away from Buffy and fearing Buffy and thinking that Buffy's yes. the enemy. So Faith says, I'm five by five. That's the thing about a coma. You wake up all rested and rejuvenated and ready for payback. And Buffy says, so much for pleasantries, huh? And Faith says, what did you expect? I'd wake up and we'd go for tea. You tried to gut me, Blondie. And Buffy, Buffy says, you would have done the same to me if you had the chance. And Faith says, so let's have another go. See who lands on top. Because, ah, we missed that classic Faith sexual innuendo talk. Uh, Buffy says, it doesn't have to be like this, you know? And Faith says, I think it has to be exactly like this. And Buffy says, Faith, these are innocent people. Um, F Faith was not threatening the people around you, Buffy. <laughs> She's threatening you. <laughs> and Faith says, no such animal. And Buffy says, I guess it, it's way too much to hope that you'd use your downtime to reflect and grow. And Faith says, I guess I could say the same thing about you, but you're still same old better than thou, Buffy. I knew it somehow. I kept having this dream. Not sure what it means, but in the dream, the self-righteous blonde chick stabs me and you want to know why? And while she's talking, Willow is slowly approaching <laughs> Faith from behind, with, taking off her bag. Um... And Buffy says, you had it coming. And Faye says, that's one interpretation. But in my dream, she does it for a guy. And um, she's like, try it, Red, and you'll lose an arm because Willow was advancing on her. Willow backs off. Faye says, I wake up to find out that this blonde chick isn't even dating the guy she was so nuts about before. She moved on to the first college beef stick she meets. Not only has she forgotten the love of her life, she's forgotten all about the chick she nearly killed for him. So what's my, so that's my dream. And that and other cigars in a tunnel. But tell me, college girl, what does it mean? And Buffy says to me, mostly, that you still mouth off about things you don't understand. So she's not wrong do you know what i mean like i feel like what faith is saying obviously again like that's from her perspective and she's coming at it very angrily because no buffy she did not have time to reflect and grow when she was in a coma but when she lays it out like that i'm like it really is that that buffy was going easy on faith until faith attempted to kill angel and then buffy decided to kill her for him because she did she went there to kill her right Yes. I'm trying to remember what we said back when this was a thing, right? Like, we talked about this extensively in Faith on Trial. Um, yeah. I feel like, you know, I see both points of view here. Neither of them is entirely right. Neither of them is entirely wrong. Like, Faith has legitimate grievances. But at the end of the day, Faith did do bad stuff. Like She did try to kill Angel, for sure. Well, she also killed Alan Fitch and... Accidentally, that demon guy and professor, what's his face? Yeah, the professor, um, the volcano professor, and the courier, and the courier. Oof, rest in peace. Uh, yeah, she did a lot of bad shit. I, I agree, I agree. But I just think it's so interesting how she phrased it this way because I don't even think you and I really thought about it to that degree when we were back in season three because it was never presented to us in that way. Or maybe when you just summarize it like this, it's like, oh shit, <laughs> right? That uh, that Buffy really did go after her for a guy. And now she's not even with the guy. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, Faith was going to torture Buffy before, right? Like, mm -hmm. I just, yeah. Faith, Faith is editorializing in her favor. In it's not case. that simple. Obviously, there's more to it than that. But like, she's, I, and that's why I had to say, like, she's not wrong. Like, there's more to it, Faith. It wasn't just that, that she wanted to kill you for the guy. There's more to it, but like, eh, 
them? I, I, mm. It just woke me up to, to that information. So a cop car wails and um, Buffy says, I guess somebody knows you're here. So Buffy punches her and they fight for a bit, but then Faith takes off, right? She she runs across the field. It's funny too, because Willow gets a swing in. She gets, she gets to hit Faith with her bay because Willow just fucking hates Faith so much and just needs to hit her. Faith uh, says, you took my life, B. Payback's a bitch. And Willow says, look who's talking. And this really confused me. I was like, what? So Faith just runs around, right? She, she, she's like, Faith's just like, see you around. And she runs across campus, pushing people out of the way willy-nilly. Faith, uh, Buffy follows her. Faith jumps over a wall. And then when Buffy gets to the wall and looks over, she's looking at what I can only guess is Ruggs Field, <laughs> Riley's favorite destination. And uh, it's she's gone. Faith disappeared. But my thinking is that she was probably just huddled underneath the wall, like right, <laughs> right at well, the bottom. She ran, in, she ran into the forest. That's three of the five miles between Sunnydale and so true. Sunnydale. And she doesn't have Oz to track her because <laughs> remember, only Oz <laughs> could find his way around the forest. So... Um, we cut to Willow and Tara, who are in the dorm hangout place. Willow is thanking Tara for coming along. Apparently, they're going to hunt Faith together. I'm confused. And she says, hunting for a psychopathic super bitch is definitely in the above and beyond category. Ooh, I kind and of want that label. Super bitch? Yeah. Psychopathic super bitch. I was also like, whoa, that's I don't harsh. know. I don't need the psychopathic part, but it's just like, oh. You know, if somebody calls you a super bitch, you're either doing something very wrong or something very right. It's always right. Every time it's right. So Tara says, it's okay. Like, what do we do to find her? And Willow, what do we do if we find her? And Willow says, run, flee, possibly skedaddle. So again, like, why are you two looking for Faith? Like, why? You can't do anything about it. You don't have cell phones. So like, what's the point? Because if they don't look for Faith, Faith will look for them. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So... Buffy, so, you know, Tara's, like, smiling that she gets to be part of the recon, right? She's, like... Well, um, specifically, Willow uses the word recon, and Tara's, like, that's so cute. Like, you're just some kind of monster. Like, they're just, like, oh... Tara's just as googly eye for She's Willow... out. ...as Buffy's googly eye for Riley. But we understand Tara. So... Tara says, um, like, you know, she's not really a fighting violence kind of person. She, like, does this cute little, like, action where she's punching things. She's like, that's not really me. And Willow says, no, like, we'll spot Faith before she sees us. Like, she's this cleavage slut bomb walking around being like, check me out. I'm wicked cool. I'm five by five. And she says, no one knows what five by five means. And she says, Buffy can't handle Faith and you're plenty safe with me. And Tara says, do we uh, recon until nightfall? And Willow says that's when the ritual hiding begins. Okay. Lots Quick to uncover history here. History with Kara Lesson. Okay. Lots to, lots to unpack. Let's start with your history. So 5 by 5 comes from the days of radio, uh, you know, like aircraft, military, radio operations, where it's a, it's a catch or, sorry, it's a call phrase used to signify that you can hear the other people clearly. So the first five refers to the signal strength reading on your, your radio equipment. So it can go from one to five. And the second five is the clarity of the communication you're getting. So, you know, five by five means not you have the highest possible signal strength and also 
the clarity is as good as it can get. History with Kara. Okay, interesting. I wonder how Faith learned that. Well, that's 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 a really good point. I'm not sure Faith understands <laughs> the nuances of the slang she's using versus just like, oh, that's a cool phrase. True, true, true. She, you know, she spent a lot of time in her motel watching old movies on cable. So oh, true. Yeah, she might have picked it up then. Maybe she it up from there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are a couple things to unpack in this conversation. Uh, the first one is that, well, I want to say first that Tara looks great. She looks so beautiful in this scene. Does she, she obviously knows about Buffy and the Scoobies now. Like before her and Willow were just doing magic together. But obviously Willow has told her everything about Buffy and what's going on. So that's interesting. Usually you're in the Scoobies or you're you're seriously dating somebody to be let in on the secret, right? Well, Tara was present for the events of Hush and I feel like that kind of read her into the Scooby life. Mm-hmm, pretty quickly. Um, also, she's very clearly hitting on Willow, who has no clue, <laughs> right? Tara's saying like, "Oh, we record record until nightfall," and she's like smiling and giggling at her. So like, Tara Smitten. My other my other point I already brought up was like, "Why are you hunting Faith? What are you guys going to do about it?" Literally nothing. Um, but let's talk about Willow, who's kind of a mean girl sometimes, and mm-hmm. she's now called Faith a super bitch and a cleavagey Cleavage-y slut bomb. bomb. <laughs> so Willow has this internalized misogyny toward any woman who we we know is attracted to Xander and has had a history with Xander because she used to call Cordelia slut, right? And she really hates Anya for no reason mm-hmm. nowadays other than the fact that she's with Xander. Mm-hmm. And we remember what happened when she found out that Faith and Xander had a thing. Yeah. So so now we have this re we're revisiting her feelings about Faith. And like we said earlier, like she has no empathy for her, right? She's aggressive toward her immediately. And really, what did Faith do to her? I mean, she obviously Faith did terrible things and she kidnapped Willow that one time and punched her or whatever. Um, but I want to remind you, Willow, that Spike has kidnapped you attempted to kill you and your friends multiple times and he even targeted you for this pseudo rape scene that we saw in the initiative where he tried to bite you but couldn't and you forgive him and you have a you clearly have sympathy for him and don't want him to kill himself and you have nothing but space for that demon but faith is a psychopathic super bitch and a slut bomb yeah Clearly, Willow has some issues that she needs to examine here in therapy when it comes to uh, her feelings about Faith in particular. And like you said, you know, her feelings about other, just other women in general, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. It's it's not a good look on you, Willow. It's not. And uh, like, we're not here defending Faith and the things that she's done in the past. But Willow's anger toward her is really personal and really pointed where Buffy has every right to be upset with Faith, but Buffy's coming at it with a lot more sympathy, but also patience. And she's not the one out here calling her a slut, you know? I mean, I think she calls her sleazy later, but it's not quite the same level. So yeah, Willow, check yourself, okay? It's not a good look. We, we, we've we seen it before and uh, we don't want to continue seeing it, you know? You got more work to do. So Xander and Giles are walking the streets of Sunnydale with their weapons because Xander and Giles are also hunting for Faith. Like, (laughs) what is going on? Um, And then this brought me all the way back to that consequences where here Xander 
saying that he's a target. Faith finds out that he's still in town. Odds are she's going to get tighter than Catgut. She's like, he says she's got a lot of pent up feelings there. And Giles is like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And Xander says, I can't be held responsible for the effect I have on women. Faith and I have a little thing between us called history. Ugh. Oh, my God. Like, Xander, you were doing so well earlier this episode. Very early this season, this whole season, you're doing pretty good. Um, but this brought me screaming back to consequences when he took it upon himself to go to go against the Scooby's plan again and approach Faith, thinking that they had this like meaningful connection when really it was just sex. So here he's doing it again over a year later. And he's still romanticizing this relationship he has with Faith, this connection that doesn't exist, making himself more important than he is. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Shut up, Xander, basically. Uh, They hear a noise in the alley. They follow it down. It's just Spike smoking. Spike's just having a smoke. And uh, they're like, what are you doing here? And Spike's like, I'm not the one out of place here. And Xander says, (laughs) right? And Xander says, they have a rogue slayer on their hands, a real psycho killer too. Spike's like, ooh, sounds serious. And Giles is like, what do you know? And Xander says, she's got dark hair. She's yay tall, name of faith, criminally insane. Have you seen her? And Spike's like, well, is she after you? And Xander's like, oh, yeah, in a bad way. And Spike's like, tell you what, tell you, t- tell you what I'll do. I'll head out, find this girl, tell her exactly where you all are, and then watch as she kills you. And they look shocked that he says that, right? And he's like, can any of your damn little Scooby gang at least try to remember that I hate you all? <laughs> He's like, just because I can't do the damage myself doesn't mean, doesn't stop me from aiming a loose cannon your way. And here I thought the evening would be dull. So he goes to walk away and Xander's like, go ahead. You wouldn't even recognize her. Then Spike repeats him. He's like, dark hair, this tall, names Faith, criminally insane. I like this girl already. And he leaves and Xander says to Giles, we're dumb. Xander, you're dumb. Yeah. Giles said two words. Like, you're the one who gave Spike all the information without thinking this through and like again like the fact that they keep spike alive is so hilarious to me because he clearly would he 100 percent would team up with with faith to take them down and i honestly would love to see it honestly when i like i mean mm-hmm. this rewatch yeah. is opening my eyes to a lot of things about all these characters <laughs> but spike and faith like i'm surprised they haven't met yet number one but to have them team up in this episode, or I guess for the rest of the season, would have been a joy to watch. That would be funny, you know, and it makes sense because Spike is on the outs with other demons, so he can't find demons to back him up. And obviously, you know, he's on the outs with humans. Faith is this kind of really sweet spot where it's like, well, she's human. She's not part of the demon community, but she's also kind of evil. So I see what you're saying. I, I think the problem here is Faith, I think, wouldn't respect Spike. Because he can't fight. Well, but also because he's, you know, got this like weird thing for Buffy and stuff, right? Like she'd just be like, dude, like... I think Spike would fall in love with Faith. I think he would find her really interesting. Inter- interesting. Yeah. I, I think he. I think I, he would. I think, I don't know. Like, because Faith's kind of... Broken. Similar to Drusilla. Yeah, like he's someone that he can like help and I don't, I don't know i find i think he'd find her darkness but the fact that she's not evil i think he'd find that appealing hmm. i mean i see where you're coming from here i'm not sure i agree but i see what you're saying yeah 
but he should also suit his um i'm sure the two of them would suit each other's sexual needs <laughs> which is probably a little kinky you know so Let's leave this alleyway. Uh, a helicopter lands at the hospital and these three men get out to meet the nurse. As we said earlier, Kara thinks that it's the Watcher's Council. I don't know. I'm like, this could, these could, they could be werewolf hunters. We don't know. <laughs> like, it could be anybody. Faith is walking the streets of Sunnydale again, looking at knives and stuff. But a police car drives by. So she, you know, dodges them into, a hall, into an alleyway. And a random demon comes up to her and says, Faith. A friend sent me. I got a little remembrance from him. And Faith breaks his neck uh, immediately. <laughs> this poor guy. She takes the packages out of his arms. And she, before she can open it, a police car drives by and flashes her with a flashlight. And she takes off. Obviously, they would have seen her feet going up those ladders because they shine the light on them. But they don't see the demon body <laughs> just lying okay, on okay, the street. Okay, okay, you're a police officer on duty. And you see this incredibly dangerous alleged killer, but she runs up a ladder. Do you maybe just, are you just maybe going to slow down just a little bit so you <laughs> don't have to be the one to go after her? Can you, can you imagine the guy holding the flashlight? He sees the feet and he's like, nope. And he goes, then he goes so down. I didn't see anything. Let's keep driving. <laughs> and then he goes down and he sees the dead body of the, of the demon. He's like, nope. And he goes like somewhere He's like, I don't want to deal with this. Give me one of those white boy gangs to deal with, all right? The supernatural is so not my thing. <laughs> so, um, okay, the, the package is a VHS tape, and Faith somehow finds a VCR so to, to play it. It's really cute. Um, and it's the mayor. And I wrote down his whole speech. He's saying that, you know, if you're watching this tape, it can only mean one thing. I'm dead. And our noble campaign to bring order to the town of Sunnydale has failed. But on the other hand, heck, maybe we won. And right now I'm just on some jumbo monitor of the Richard Wilkins Museum surrounded by a bunch of kids sitting Indian style. Boo. Boo. And looking up at my face with fear and wonder. But he says, Faith, as I record this message, you're sleeping and the doctors tell me you might not wake up, but I don't believe that. Sooner or later, you will wake up. And when you do, you'll find the world has gone and changed on you. And I wish it could make the world a better place for you to wake up in, but tough as it is to accept, we both have to understand that even my power to protect, to protect and watch over you has its limits. And once I'm gone, your days are just plain numbered. Now, he's like, you're smart and capable um, and in charge of your own life. But the problem, Faith, is that there won't be a world, in the, a place in the world for you anymore. By now, I bet you're feeling very much alone. But you're never alone. You'll always have me. So he's like, uh, he picks up the box on camera and says, and you always have this. Go ahead and open the box. Faith opens it and takes out like a little trinket. And he says, Surprise, you won't find this in any gumball machine. See, when you've been around as long as I have, you make friends. And some of them forge neat little gizmos, just like the one you're holding. And here's the good news. Just because it's over for my Faith, it doesn't mean she, she can't go out with a bang. So he laughs and Faith just looks really sadly down at this little device. And uh, like this is such an interesting scene because he's still so manipulative. Mm -hmm. I know you and I talked extensively about the mayor and the mayor's relationship to Faith and like possibly he feels something for her. But in my opinion, in your opinion, it's not love the way that we think of love. It's manipulative and he likes possession. to control her and possession. Exactly. So even now where he's telling Faith, like, you're alone if you don't have me. You're not long for this world. So here's how you can go out with a bang, like encouraging her 
to die yeah. in some ways. It's not about Faith, though. It's about Buffy. Exactly. You're so right, because I know a lot of people who want to see the mayor's relationship with Faith as more of a, a father-daughter relationship. They point to this moment and they're like, look, like, you know, the mayor provided for Faith in the case that he was defeated. Like, this is really sweet in a twisted, you know, evil way. And I understand that. Like, that's a, that is a legitimate reading, right? If, if that's the, the way you're looking at these things. But I don't see it that way. I agree with you, Steph. I see it as, you know, this is his backup plan. Faith is his backup weapon where it's like in this event that he ends up being defeated, you know, he wants to take the Slayer out. He knows Faith is going to wake up. You know, th we're talking about a guy who's good enough at anticipating events that he can time his lines in this video message <laughs> to match up with how long it takes Faith to stare at this box before she opens it. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, that was really that was really good on his part. So yeah, you're right. Like he is aiming Faith at Buffy by trying to make it feel like she has no future other than exacting his revenge. Yeah. And of course, Faith has just enough damage and just enough animosity towards Buffy that she's going to believe it, right? Like he's really skillful. And, you know, we, we'll see what this uh, weird doohickey does later on. But for now, it's like, what is it? Like a bomb, like a mm -hmm. weird weapon? Like we don't really know. All we know is the mayor wants her to use it. And I agree with you. The implication is she should use it against Buffy, against the Scoobies, against the forces of good. Go out with a bang. He doesn't care about her survival. He doesn't care about her happiness. He doesn't care about her growth as a person. This is not a father-daughter relationship. This is a dealer-user relationship. Yes, I totally agree with you. And like Faith has always been the mayor's plan B. Like he had to wait for the Mr. Trick to get killed before she came on board. And now this is his plan B in case his ascension doesn't work and he can still exact his revenge and also create a little chaos. I, like just saying like you have no one faith this is the end for you like it's not like she woke up she could have had she could have a completely different life but his manipulation of her right now is that you need to dive in and kill mm -hmm. maybe kill yourself doing this but it's gonna be for my bidding and i still have complete control over you so oof, like i really like this scene i love that it's like on a vhs and that he's still like very jovial right like laughing and making her laugh and she's eating it up she's like oh i miss my dad and it's dark just as their relationship has always been it's just so dark and interesting and mm, this is why I, I really like this episode because adding faith in the mix again it just it just it's fire it just it it elevates the season yeah because I faith's agree. exciting she's exciting to watch so we cut to buffy with riley this time they're in riley's dorm room Ooh, changing it up Ooh. And Buffy is telling Riley, she's a very dangerous woman. <laughs> and Riley's like, I get it. Faith bad. You're in trouble. I want to help. You know, very himbo of him. And Buffy says, you can't. And Riley's like, give me one reason. So Buffy throws one of those little, you know, toy basketballs to him and he catches it. But of course, he strains himself and winces. And she says, that's why. So Riley maintains that he can still help in some way. He's not just going to sit around here waiting for you to pummel this gal. And Buffy says, the fact, Riley, that you call <laughs> Faith a gal is the reason you can't help. Right? Like, so true. You don't know Faith. You don't know her story. You don't know my story. You're underestimating her, which she's exactly right. 
And Riley's like, what did she do to you exactly? And Buffy's like, it's a long story. And Riley says, I'm from Iowa. We drive four hours for a high school football game. Try me. Okay, okay. I related to that because you and I are right? from Thunder Bay, which is a very isolated city. Eight hours one way is the first city. Eight hours the other way is the other. Um, we're used to long car rides too. So it's, it's so true. We're all about the long stories. Oh, for sure. So Buffy's like, she hurt me. People I care about. Did I mention the psycho killer part? And Riley says, but there's something you're not telling me. Well, don't. Riley, Detective Riley's yes. on the case, staff. He's cracked this wide open. Can you believe the Bureau let this guy go? <laughs> so, so Buffy's like, I gotta go, right? She's, she, she's worried that his crack interrogation skills are gonna cause her to let something slip. Yeah. Riley says, all right, I just think you're holding out on me. And Buffy says, this isn't a joke. There's a criminally insane woman out there with superpowers who thinks I'm responsible for ruining her life. You kind of are. Uh, <laughs> she says, I know Faith. She'll come after me and she'll come after the people that I love. So Riley's safe then. Oh, so don't worry about Riley at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm ruthless today. Well, I just, I just, because I want Faith. I want to see Faith and I want to see Joyce and that's what I want to see. And all you do is show me Riley struggling with not being a soldier. <laughs> well, Steph, you get what you want because... Joycey! There's a knock on the door. Joyce answers it. So long. It's Faith and she punches Joyce. Oh no! Um, and says, Mind if I come in? Joyce is smoking in this episode. She was probably getting ready for a date. She was just about to go out and now she's going to miss her date. She's been having sex with somebody in Sunnydale, that's for sure. She has like her, I mean, her hair has always been the best on the show. Like she's got the best hair of all of them. (laughs) But like she's wearing this like off the shoulder, like striped sweater and she's fucking hot as hell. And I love that for her. So Joyce is on the bed watching Faith like rifle through her stuff and put on her lipstick and monologue or whatever. And, um, Faith is like, you know, talk, like kisses the mirror, puts the lipstick on. She's like, if I tell you something, do you promise not to spare my feelings just because I can kill you? And do you promise? And Joyce is like, yeah, I promise. And Faith puts on a jacket and she's like, how do I look? And this is very weird. I don't know why she did this. And Joyce says, psychotic. And Faith is like, I was shooting for sultry. But hey, but I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you'll never get away with this. Am I warm? And Joyce says, actually, I was thinking my daughter is going to kill you soon. (laughs) Oh. Stoner Joyce. Um, Faith says, is that a fact? And Joyce says, more like a bet. Ooh. And Faith says, whoa, you got a pair on you, Joyce. And I like seeing that in a woman your age. And I was like, yeah, a woman of like 35. Like, how old is Joyce? She looks amazing. (laughs) Joyce is such a badass. And I don't think she's high here. I think that she's completely sober. Oh, I agree. It's lovely to see the faith that Joyce, the faith that Joyce has in Buffy. (laughs) It's very nice. And Joyce was definitely sober because she was going on a date with a guy to get high and then have sex all night. Get it, Joyce. So Faith says in a world according to Joyce, Buffy is going to come crashing through that door any minute. But look what I found. And Faith shows her all these letters that are addressed to Buffy. And Faith is like, she hasn't been around here for a while, has she? So you'd think that a crazy chick like me on the loose with a wicked grudge against her and all that, she'd call you and give you the heads up. But Buffy's too into her own deal to remember dear old mom. So I also want to add here that this is like the second or third reference to the word wicked in the way Willow describes Faith and the way Faith is talking. And like, I think they really want to remind us that she's from Boston, even though she doesn't have an accent. (laughs) Mm. So it's in the dialogue. It's just not in uh, the way she pronounces words. 
Joyce says, you don't know the first thing about Buffy or me. And Faye says, I know what it's like to think you matter, think you're part of something, and you get dumped. It's like the whole world is moving, but you're stuck. Like those animals in the tar pits. You keep sinking deeper and deeper every day, and nobody sees. And Joyce says, were you planning to slit my throat anytime soon? (laughs) And Faye says, don't tell me you don't see it, Joyce. You've served your purpose, squirted out the kid, raised her up, and now you might as well be dead. Nobody knows, nobody remembers, especially not... Buffy, fabulous superhero. And I was like, that's very bold of Faith to assume that Joyce doesn't have three jobs that keep her busy. Like, you know, she has other purpose outside her daughter. Yeah, my assumption this entire season, so we, we last saw Joyce in Fear itself back at Halloween time. It's not that Buffy's been neglecting Joyce. It's that Joyce is the one who's been outliving her best life now that Buffy has, you know, left home. Like... Joyce is the one who's going for Thanksgiving without <laughs> Buffy. Like She's doing trips to L.A. to make art deals with Angel. She's obviously dating some hot-ass piece. She's probably screwing Spike on the side. Like, but Joyce is doing so much this season that we're just not seeing. So very bold of you, Faith. Faith says, sooner or later, you're going to have to face it. She was over us a long time ago, Joyce. Uh, you're projecting, Faith. And Faith says, too busy climbing onto her new boy toy to give a single thought to the people who matter. You're busy, uh, you're, you're her mother and she just leaves you here to die. And Buffy crashes through the window and takes out Faith. And she's like, hi, mom. And Joyce is like, hi, honey. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic entrance. I love it. Um, Breaking that window once again. This is like the second or third time this has been broken. More importantly, I just think it's interesting. Like, how did Buffy know that Faith was there? Did she like, was the door left open or something? Or maybe she was watching from the outside for a while and waiting for a good chance. I assume she she called or was trying to get a hold of her mom in some way. Because she knows Faith's going after the people she loves. And she's got her priority list, right? She puts Riley up top. But she's working her way down the list to her mom. And she gets to her mom's house and... Yeah, I agree. Like, maybe the door's open, or maybe she can see Faith through the window. Yeah, and maybe I was watching, waiting for the right moment. Right now, right now, right now. She jumps out, and I, I just, I think I think it's so sweet when, she, when she's like, hi, mom, and Joyce is like, hi, honey, and you can see the relief in her eyes. I don't think there, it's relief that, like, I don't think Joyce was buying what Faith was telling her. I don't think she believed it, but you can see how she's like, oh, there you are. Like, you're not that yeah. I, not that she was worried that she wasn't going to come. Just like, when are you coming? <laughs> well, Joyce was clearly stalling, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe Joyce saw her out on the window the whole time, right? Ooh. Ooh. So they start to fight. They take it into the hallway and fall down the stairs. Joyce calls 911. And as they're fighting, Faith says, thought I'd go after the clean Marine, didn't you? He's a cutie. Looks like he could use a good role in the sack. And Buffy's like, you're not his type. He's not big on sleaze. Oh, uh, see, so she's borrowing from Willow's playbook there. Buffy says, going after the boyfriend again? That's tired. (laughs) And Faye says, just something to remember me by once I've moved on. So they fight more and Buffy says, it ever occurred to you, Faith, that the reason we all forgot you is because we wanted to? Ooh. And that, like, Buffy gets under uh, Faith's skin so much better than Faith can get under anyone else's. (laughs) So more destroying of Joyce's house. Yeah, they they really do a number on this house. It's like they deliberately are slabbing each other into things that will break. Honestly, no wonder Joyce is living her best life when Buffy moves out. It's because she can go months without having to fix a window. 
You know? Now, now it's Giles' house that gets beat up every episode. <laughs> I know. It just sucks to own, be a house owner in this show. Um, we cut really quickly to Giles, who's entering his home, and there's three. the three men from the hospital are sitting they there. They broke the light switch, right? He tries to flick on the light, and it doesn't work, because these guys wanted to make the dramatic entrance of turning on a lamp, so they disabled his light switch. <laughs> so, you know, his house doesn't get destroyed in this episode, but it's still being damaged, all for the sake of drama. You know, they did that. Adam does that. All these people always just love taking out the lights for a dramatic entrance. And I respect it. In fact, next time in Thunder Bay and I see you, Kara, you're going to enter your house. The lights aren't going to turn on. And I'm going to be sitting there smoking a cigarette. And I'll say, hello, Kara. No smoking indoors. (laughs) Take that shit out to my deck. It looks so cool, though. (laughs) So... So we cut to Faith, who hears the cop siren coming. Um, her and Buffy, she she leads the fight back into the living room. Buffy follows her. She grabs the gizmo thing. She has enough time for some reason to put it on her hand without Buffy hitting her. And this is interesting because her and Buffy are fighting, and she lets Buffy hit her a couple of times first. Before she grabs her hand, a light shines between the hand because the gizmo's between them. And then they both look really confused. But then Buffy punches Faith who passes out. Joyce comes down the stairs, asks if she's okay, and Buffy's like, all things considered. And she's like, um, she's holding up the contraption in her hand. She she throws it to the ground and smashes it and says that was a weapon of some kind, didn't work, whatever it was. So the police are knocking on the door and Buffy's looking down at Faith and she's like, she's their problem now. And Joyce says, are you sure you're okay? And Buffy says, five by five, as she stares at Faith. Ooh, fade to black. So I think from that, we can assume that something happened where Faith is now in Buffy's body, perhaps? Can we assume that? I don't know. I feel like that's a spoiler. I think her saying five by five, like Buffy would never say that. Faith says that. But that might just be Buffy and her ironic sense of humor. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a really brilliant observer of television because I think I would have put that together right away but hey mm-hmm. new watchers tell us do you know what's going on here i, I know i just told you <laughs> but would you have known but another reason why i think that is because i've already brought up that faith lets buffy punch her a couple times so then when buffy punches faith the last time and she passes out i feel like that was a strategic move in a fight so this episode is so fun like i said earlier faith just brings the fun it's just interesting when she's <laughs> when she's in the episodes who's your hero I picked Buffy. I really enjoyed Buffy's empathy. And I liked that she really, like, she was ready to jump into action to save Riley for some reason. Um, she was ready to, she's been patrolling a lot, looking for Adam. She's patrolling now, looking for Faith. She knows Faith is her responsibility and she's going to take care of her. But she's also looking for rehabilitation possibilities for her. So Buffy's my hero. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I would also want to give uh, an honorable mention to Joyce, though, right? For stalling and keeping her cool. And I just miss her. I miss her, too. And, like, shout out to Joyce for being so goddamn sexy. Good for her. (laughs) All right. We have two hot stakes today. Yes. The first one is from Joseph, who wanted to write in about the episode Doomed and Riley. And he says, I believe when Buffy tells Riley that for him, it's an adventure, as in like the demon hunting stuff. It's a reference to him being in the military. In the US, we had advertisements to join the army and they always said, it's not a job. It's an adventure. That's a lie. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know why they would. You're getting paid it that for way. it. It's a job. It, it is, uh, but yeah, that's a really good point, right? Because. Like, hey, I brought up Doomed earlier in this episode, too. Like, Riley was so, like, pro this life. Right. And and I want to clarify something here, because, you know, especially in this episode and in previous episodes and in future ones, you know, I've been very critical of the military and the military industrial complex, because especially in the States, you know, but also here in Canada, these organizations are structures that uphold white supremacy and capitalism and imperialism. They're not good things. But with that being said, right, I have a lot of uh, empathy for people who join these organizations, who think that they're doing good, who see it as a way out of a life that they don't want to have anymore, right? Uh, My ride or die has been in the Naval Reserves for like four years now, and she's transferring into the regular armed forces. And, you know, I wish her all the best. And like, you know, if you have served or you are currently serving... I have respect for you. I just don't respect your bosses. Thanks for clarifying. And thanks for your hot steak, Joseph. Our other hot steak is from Angela. Angela's talking about Faith. When I listened to season three, it was pointed out how different Buffy and Faith are to each other. One other difference is the East Coast, West Coast. So you kind of touched on this earlier when you were talking about Faith's vocabulary. Angela says, I never really noticed Faith's Boston accent since Elijah Dishku is from a water town just outside of Boston. Unfortunately, the town is now famous for the Boston bomber being found in the boat. Oh, yeah. To me, the accent was very subtle since I am from Eliza's home state. Then when you pointed out the wicked (laughs) towards the end of the season, it made sure for her to say it to point out she's from the other side of the country. So Angela's kind of echoing your observation from this episode. Same page. Also came up in last season. Yeah. Same page, Angela. Nice. So it'll be interesting to see with next episode how these subtle differences come into performances. I I have so many thoughts that I have to save for next week. I'm excited for next week. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, We're just getting people commenting on the IN team, which came out this week. And, you know, you're also sweet. You're just like, oh, we're glad Prophecy Girls is back. And we're glad to be back, too. We're so happy to be here. Um, I'm really excited to see Faith back. And I'm really excited for next week. It's going to be a good episode. So thank you especially to everybody who supports us through Buy Me a Coffee, as well as our chosen ones, Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Taza, Alexandra, Kyle, Kayla, Destiny, Brady, Erica, Justine, Allison, Lena, Jace, Julian, Haley, and Nicola. Excited for next week. We'll see you then. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Praise Moloch! See you next week!